This is an RNZ podcast. When Sir Robert Jones decided to launch defamation action against the filmmaker Renee Maihi, he wasn't taking a big risk. The Wellington property developer opted to take the action after Maihi called him a racist and appealed for him to be stripped of his knighthood over an NBR column he wrote calling for a Māori Gratitude Day. Jones lost his column amid the outcry. With a fortune estimated at more than $1 billion, even the most adverse judgment could barely make a dent in his accounts. For my he, the stakes were higher. His supporters had to put up a give-a-little page to raise money for her legal fees. Jones dropped his case at the Wellington High Court last week, but the disparity in power between him and Maihi has stayed on the minds of commentators who say it reveals flaws in our defamation law. In an interview with Tiao broadcaster Moana Maniapoto, lawyer Moana Jackson said Sir Robert likely took the action because he didn't like being criticised by a young Māori woman. I wouldn't want to impute a motive to Bob Jones, but he has a history of attacking people who respond to his attacks. And often those attacks have been against women and against Māori. So Renee's a young Māori woman, so her temerity in daring to call Bob Jones out I think inevitably brought the response where he suddenly pleads to be the victim of harm. Political commentator Ben Thomas tweeted a similar sentiment in response to the case. Defamation in practice in New Zealand is for the most part a way for rich people who can afford it or vexatious litigants on the margins who have nothing to lose to persecute and harass ordinary people. The Jones versus Maihi case is one of several recent high-profile defamation suits. Colin Craig and Jordan Williams' ongoing defamation battles made headlines, mainly because Craig's former press secretary, Rachel McGregor, was repeatedly summoned to court to testify against her will. Businessman Matthew Blomfield's eventually successful eight-year defamation battle with whale oil publisher Cameron Slater was the subject of the book Whale Oil by Margie Thompson. In a statement to Media Watch, Justice Minister Andrew Little said the book convinced him to look at defamation law reform. Having read the book on Matt Blomfield's defamation case against whale oil by Margie Thompson, I accept the law could well do with a review. However, it will not be in this term of Parliament. But what should Little actually change if Labour succeeds at this year's general election? Wellington lawyer Graham Edgler has launched a campaign to reform defamation law, and he has some ideas on how to fix it. Kia ora, Graham. Welcome to Media Watch. Thank you for having me. Now, you have spoken a lot about defamation law in New Zealand. The law has come into the spotlight again recently with the Bob Jones versus Renee Maihi case. How do you think that that case illustrates some of the problems with defamation law in New Zealand? One of, I think, the big problems of defamation law in New Zealand is that there isn't enough protection of simple opinion. You know, it's the, if you're making a false accusation that someone has done something, that's one thing. But just, I think this person is, in that case, it was racist, or I think this person is an idiot. You know, some of those, some of those types of insults, you can take defamation claims about. Some of them you can't, and I would have thought it would have been a lot better if you couldn't generally. You know, this person refused or fired me because I'm Maori. Mm. That I could see why you might want defamation for something like that. This person is racist. Um, people are going to make up their own minds, and they'll either agree or disagree, but uh, the likelihood that someone is going to materially affect someone else just by stating their opinion in that way, uh, I think is 
not something the law fully recognises. I think the way that you put it in the hero is that if your reputation is significantly harmed by someone calling you a name, then maybe you didn't have that much of a reputation to damage in the first place. Yes, I, I think that's right. And, you know, defamation is supposed to be protecting people's reputations from unjustified harm. And um, the right to a reputation is, is something that is recognised in international law. Um, it's, governments have, have an interest in protecting people's reputations, but um, it should be a reputation that the person actually has, and it should be materially harmed in some way um, if you're ever going to have uh, uh, some law to, to punish or compensate or, or whatever uh, people who do that. And um, I don't think we have the balance right at the moment. I guess the issue here in the Bob Jones versus Renee Maihi case was just the disparity in power between the two. So Bob Jones essentially couldn't lose. He has a billion dollars. If he wins, he wins. If he loses, he still inflicted, I guess, financial peril and incredible stress on his much poorer opponent. Is that one of the problems with defamation law in New Zealand? Defamation law, yes, but uh, civil civil law generally, you know... Um and to be honest, criminal law as well. But it's a lot of lawyers could not afford a lawyer, and uh, that's more true in defamation than in other areas of civil justice, but it's true in a lot of areas of civil justice as well. Uh, I, I don't think this is a problem particular with defamation. It's just uh, when it happens in defamation, uh, it, it seems slightly more unjust because it might have just been someone giving their opinion about someone, and people think they ought to be able to do that in a free society. But I think it's a problem with the law generally. Um, but defamation is a particularly expensive area of civil litigation, um, civil litigation being expensive generally. So um, the power disparity, I think, is a problem. But it's uh, perhaps not something that you can fix by changing defamation law. It's uh, a problem, I think, probably with the whole system. Yeah, and I guess in other areas of the system, maybe there are avenues available to defendants. You know, you have legal aid, you know, court-appointed lawyers, that kind of thing. Is, is that sort of stuff available in defamation cases, though? Uh, it can be, yes. Um, you could get, uh, I think, probably technically a legal aid lawyer, um, but that's technically because legal aid pay rates um, tend to be so low that the, the you need, really, if you're going to do a, a good defence or a good... Pro- claim in a defamation case, you need a defamation lawyer. Um, It's quite a specialised area, it can be quite technical, and my strong suspicion is that very few defamation lawyers probably do any legal aid at all um, for defamation or anything else. I mean, just the fact of, even if you have a lawyer, um, you know, perhaps one you can afford barely to pay for, or or even one who you didn't have to pay very much for at all, um, even just the 18 months of of the trial process can be all-consuming even when you have a lawyer and aren't too worried about, you know, paying your own lawyer's legal costs. Um, the, that's that's how the court system is. And for, if you're not used to the court system, it can be highly stressful. Um, and that's just as true in defamation as in any other area. So do you kind of agree with the commentator Ben Thomas who said that defamation in practice in New Zealand is a way for sort of rich people or vexatious litigants to bully people into silence? And is the only way to fix that to just essentially raise the bar to litigation? Raising what you would need to prove to get defa- to, to establish defamation is, I think, the most obvious thing you could do to limit the harm that our defamation law currently does. Uh, it's not relevant to this case in particular, but my strong suspicion is that there are people who have been sexually assaulted 
um, because of our defamation laws, that newspapers or radio or someone would have published credible allegations from a potentially a named person that someone had uh, sexually assaulted them, perhaps in employment or, or, or some other area, and that they have been scared off of publishing that type of material because of the, the cost of a defamation proceeding, even if they thought they could win. And the fact that this information isn't out there probably means that there may have been other victims. And yeah. so that type of thing, I think, is shows part of it's the cost um, of defending it, potentially even the cost of taking it as a problem, um, because you, people can be seriously affected by defamatory claims. But if you aren't wealthy, you're just going to be affected and there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Well, what you're saying here is where it crosses over into the media-free speech. There's, I, I remember when I was at the Herald, and it was during the time that the Kim.com stories were unfurling, and there was real direction from the editorial leadership to be very careful with Kim.com stories because he was litigious and he'd sued the Herald previously. I think of an example down in the Otago Daily Times currently where Chris Morris, their reporter, wants to report a story but is obviously being held back by fear of defamation. Is this a threat to the media as well? I think it is. And you, the media should be careful before they publish serious allegations about someone. But I don't think they should fear maybe, and I suspect some media organisations do, they might fear if there was a successful claim against them, they might cease to exist. Uh, it could be highly detrimental a successful claim against them, even an unsuccessful claim where you might not get your full costs back. Could be the cost of, you know, a couple of journalists whom you can't employ because you had to spend it on lawyers and, and costs related to the court proceeding. Um, and it perhaps would be better if there were some other ways of dealing with this. Is there a way to fix this that isn't just changing the law to raise the bar for defamation? I think one of the things that the lay lawyers around Radio New Zealand suggested is maybe some sort of tribunal or a sort of like a grand jury system where defamation cases are heard before they go to trial to see whether they have credibility. Is that something that's a possibility? Um, it would. I can see it being a possibility. I'm not sure it would make terribly much difference. Um, without some of the other changes. If a claim is meritless, it can be struck out. But uh, even where that's the case, someone will get a strike out and then they'll appeal the strike out and the Court of Appeal will say, well, no, you can argue this bit, but not this bit. And so adding an extra step. I mean, one possibility, and I'm going to be honest, I haven't fully thought this through, um, is that we do have something that could deal with defamation type stuff um, where it's online. Um, or that would include on the radio. The Harmful Digital Communications Act um, has what I think is probably a more simplified procedure uh, and doesn't have a lot of the technicalities around pleading that uh, defamation cases do, but you can make a harmful digital communications complaint and usually to the district court if you think uh, someone's digital communication has harmed you, and that can include by the publication of false information. You know, if you had that type <laughs> of system, that that could be a possibility. Um, Privacy Act complaints in New Zealand don't start in court. Um, You can have a privacy tort that starts in court, but Privacy Act complaints go to the Human Rights Review Tribunal. Uh, And that is a much simpler and easier process. Uh, A lot of people in that tribunal have lawyers, but a lot of people don't and can still manage the process reasonably well. There are no fees for the Human Rights Review Tribunal, um, and lawyers' bills tend to be a lot less. A defamation tribunal would be one possibility... The government's considering hate speech laws. You, you think that this is actually something they should consider first? I think defamation law that we currently have in New Zealand 
it is probably the greatest imposition we have on freedom of speech. The way it works, the costs involved, it is what stops people making public statements in the public interest uh, more than hate speech laws are likely to. If your concern is freedom of expression, fighting for defamation law reform is probably a much more important thing you could do. Cool. Thank you very much for joining me, Graham Edgler. No problem. Happy to be here.